invite you to join me in 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 1. Let's open with a word of prayer. Father, we rejoice this evening that we are secure in Christ. And we have a hope that is unfailing, unfading, secure forever. Not because of who we are or what we've done, but because of who we are in Christ. What you've done for us in Christ. Even as we look to this passage, to these seven verses this morning, or this evening, may we be encouraged to soldier on. May we be encouraged to fan the flame. May you be honored this time. I pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Here, I have a letter that was written to me March 5th, 1989, the day after I was born. It's a letter from my grandfather. It was written to me. It says, Joshua Robinson to be opened on his 18th birthday. I can tell you it was special on my 18th birthday. I had no idea this letter even existed until my parents handed it to me. On March 5th, 1989, there was a lot that my grandpa didn't know when he wrote this letter. He didn't know if on March 4th, whenever I turned 18, can't do the math in my head, <laughs> he didn't know if he would be there. In fact, on March 5th, 1989, it was probably more likely that I wouldn't be there. I wasn't supposed to live through the night. By God's grace, I did. By God's grace, I was there on my 18th birthday to open that letter. In that letter, not knowing the future, not knowing what it held, my grandfather very clearly lays out the gospel. He writes very important things that, that if he weren't there to tell me, he would want me to know. So I think as we start going into 2 Timothy this evening, I, I want to start with that question. If you had one chance to write a letter, your last chance to someone you love, what would you put in that letter? What would it say? What would you be sure to get in there? As we come to 2 Timothy, that's really the situation in which we find ourselves. A few months ago, several months ago, we were in 1 Timothy. As we worked our way through 1 Timothy, the situation is completely different. In 1 Timothy, Paul has been released from his imprisonment in Rome, his first imprisonment. There's hope, there's excitement. He's writing to a, to a young pastor, an overwhelmed pastor at this, this church at Ephesus. He's encouraging him. As we come to 2 Timothy, the, the situation is completely different. Paul, in 2 Timothy, is once again in prison in Rome. This time, though, he's not under house arrest. This time, he's not free to have visitors. This time, he's in chains. 
In fact, 2 Timothy is the last of Paul's inspired letters that we have, written about 67 A.D. Paul is not just facing the, the possibility of death like he was in Philippians. But as he writes 2 Timothy, death is a reality that is around the corner. In fact, in chapters 4, 6 to 8, you see that very clearly. It's a passage you probably know. It says, I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Paul knows he's at the end of his race. Paul knows it's almost time for him to go home. In fact, you work your way through 2 Timothy, you see the, the situation which Paul is in. Many people have abandoned him. They're, they're scared to be around him because of the, the fate that they know, that he knows, that, that is coming. He's not a popular man to be around. It's in these circumstances, knowing that death is coming, that Paul writes 2 Timothy to a young man who is very special to Paul. You can almost, as we're reading through 2 Timothy, as we work our way through these, these chapters in the next uh, several weeks, you can feel it as we're reading. You can feel the, the urgency, the emotion in his writing. This evening as we work through these seven verses, we'll see a close friend, a godly heritage, and a call to boldness. First thing we see in verses 1 to 2 is a close friend. Paul starts as he does many letters. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God according to the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus. He starts by, by, by stating his authority. Paul, I am an apostle of Jesus Christ. I am writing with authority. Yet at the same time, notice his humility. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God. Paul recognizes it's nothing within himself. This is not something that, that as a young man he set out, I am going to be an apostle, and, and, and he fought his whole life, and now he's reached that goal. I have done this. It is God, who, according to his sovereign plan, has called me, Paul, to this office. And as an apostle, called by God, I will fulfill my office. I'm writing to you now with authority. <coughs> Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. That's what we just looked at this morning, is it not? The promise of life. The fact that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And therefore, there is a promise not of death, but of life in Christ. This is the hope that all believers have. In fact, this is the gospel hope that he proclaims as an apostle. I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ, called by the will of God to go and to preach the gospel of life. It's interesting, knowing the background of 2 Timothy, that he uses that phrase. 
facing death, it uses the phrase, the gospel, of the, prom the, the, the promise of life, which is in Jesus Christ. He knows what's coming. He knows that physical death is just around the corner, that he is not getting out of prison this time. Yet he writes, I'm an apostle called to proclaim the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. My hope is not in getting out of this cell. My hope is in preaching the gospel. My hope is in Christ alone. And, and here we see Paul confidently cling to, to the hope which with he himself has comforted many. How many times in, in Romans 8 and 1 Corinthians has Paul encouraged others that the promise of life that is theirs in Christ. Now he finds himself comforting himself with that truth. It's the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus. This is the message to which I have given my life. This is the message to which I even now, sitting in chains, proclaim to you, Timothy. The man facing death, Paul's message has not changed. Even here, he proclaims the promise of life in Christ Jesus. Verse 2, to Timothy. Timothy, we were introduced to several months ago, and we were going to 1 Timothy. He's a young pastor, probably in his mid-30s. He's a pastor of the church at Ephesus. As we were going through 1 Timothy, we, we saw how overwhelmed Timothy was at time with this calling to which God had given him. In fact, as 1 Timothy begins, you may remember Paul, Paul encourages Timothy, stay there. It's clear that Timothy, Timothy's like, I, I, I've done, you know, I, I, I've done admirably, I've held it down, Paul, but now I want to join you. I want, I want to continue the, the ministry that we had. And Paul says, stay there. Later in 1 Timothy, Paul encourages Timothy, let no one look down on you for your youth. Rather, set the example. Paul's once again writing to this young man who's a few years older now, a few more years experienced. Still at this point, the pastor of Ephesus. Notice also that Paul's close tie with Timothy has not deteriorated. If anything, it's grown. He says, to Timothy, a beloved son. It's very similar to 1 Timothy 1-2 where he says, to Timothy, my true child in the faith. In fact, here in 2 Timothy, it's almost more. You can almost feel the, the, the love in that. You are my beloved son. You, Timothy, are the one into, to, to who I have poured myself into. I've poured myself into. I've discipled you. I've cared for you. I've prayed for you. I've loved you like a son. So as, Timothy write, as Paul writes this letter to Timothy, his purpose is to encourage this young man to encourage him in the faith. 
to encourage him to, to stay faithful. In fact, later on in 2 Timothy, we'll see that Timothy gets his wish from 1 Timothy. Paul sends someone else to come and to fill in at Ephesus and says for Timothy to come to him. So he's writing to encourage Timothy and to tell him to come and to join him in Rome. To Timothy, a beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Very clear in the first two verses. Now, Paul and Timothy are more than just acquaintances. They are co-laborers in the gospel. Timothy, even as Paul says here, you are my beloved son. That's who Paul is writing to. Next, we see a godly heritage. Verses 3 to 5, he says this, I, I thank God, whom I serve with a pure conscience. If you remember our series through 1 Timothy, a long time ago, that is kind of a theme in 1 Timothy. In fact, it comes up at least twice. The idea of, of a pure conscience, a, a pure gospel message matched by a faithful life. A life that matches up with the message that it preaches. Paul here writes, I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience. Even now, as Paul looks back on his life, as he knows what is coming, he knows it is coming to an end. He can proclaim this with a confidence. I have served him with a pure conscience. I do serve him with a pure conscience. I pray I pray that when I come to, to the end of my life that I can say that. That if there ever comes a time where I'm writing a, a letter to, to someone as my life comes to an end, that I can say with confidence whom I have served with a pure conscience. I have been faithful to the gospel message and I have been faithful in my gospel living. Truly, that is cause to thank God. As Paul has been faithful, I thank God who I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did. Paul, he's referring to his Jewish heritage. And, and what's interesting is we read right, right over that, but that would have been a controversial statement to those who, who, to the Judaizers who stand up against Paul's message. Paul is saying here is as the apostle to the Gentiles, I, Paul, am saved by the same grace through the same faith as my Jewish forefathers. I serve the same God and I preach the same message of hope. Thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did. As without ceasing I remember you in my prayers night and day. Again there we see a hint to Paul's love for Timothy. 
As your pastor, I try to pray for you all often. I try to pray for each one of you by name. But there's very few people whom I could say, without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers day and night. There's very few people whom I could say, every single day, every time I bow my head to pray, without ceasing, you are on the front of my life. You are who I pray. Paul loves Timothy. Paul cares for Timothy. Without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers, night and day, greatly desiring to see you. Being mindful of your tears. That's an interesting statement, and we don't know exactly to what that refers. It could be that Timothy had gone through some kind of a, a trial, he faced some kind of a, a setback, or he was facing something physically, something that, that brought him to tears. Or it could merely be the last time that Paul and Timothy saw each other and they parted. Paul remembers Timothy's tears. He remembers how much that relationship means to him. Whatever it is, what we see here is the fact that, that Paul, again, he cares for Timothy. He prays for him. He remembers his, his struggles, his tears. He knows what Timothy is going through and he prays for him often. That I may be filled with joy when I call to remember it's the genuine faith that is in you. Timothy, I know you and I have seen this genuine faith that is in you. Many think that, that here in, first, in 2 Timothy 1, it, it sounds like Timothy is... is is struggling spiritually. So I've studied this this week. I, I, I agree with that. I, I think I see it. Timothy is struggling here. In fact, in this verse, he mentions Timothy's faith twice. I call, when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded it's in you also. I've seen this genuine faith in you. In fact, I'm persuaded this genuine faith is in you. It's almost as if he's trying to, to, to comfort Timothy. I've seen your faith, Timothy. Be strong. Stay strong. I've seen it. I know it's there. Don't give up. I may be filled with joy when I call to remember it's the genuine faith that is in you, faith that I have seen. Faith that was first in your grandmother and your mother. Praise God for a godly heritage. If you have a, a parents and grandparents who, who loved you enough to share the gospel with you faithfully, thank them. Praise God for them. Paul may have influenced Timothy greatly. But Timothy is who he is at this time because of his mother and his grandmother who faithfully poured into him. They loved him. 
Paul likely knew them. It's, very, it's a very personal statement. Your grandmother Lois, your mother Eunice. I have seen their faith. It's interesting. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, as Paul is talking about the different roles in the church between men and women, what does he talk about for women? He talks about their role in childbearing, in child rearing, their role in the home. And as we come to 2 Timothy and we see this mother and this grandmother who has, has poured into him, this mother and this, this grandmother who have seen Timothy continue in the faith, how encouraging that must have been. And, and really what it does is it brings that passage in 1 Timothy into, into context. That would have meant a lot to Timothy because Timothy had seen that. He'd experienced that. He knew exactly what Paul was talking about. I call to remember the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois, your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded it is in you also. I am sure of that, Timothy. I have seen that faith in you. I've seen it at work. I've seen your love for the Lord. I know that it is there. Goes on, verses 6 to 7, and calls Timothy to boldness. Therefore, Timothy, therefore, because I have seen this faith in you, because I know that it is there, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands. Stir up the gift of God. I love the way the ESV puts it. It says, fan into flame. Keep the fire alive. I don't know if you've ever been camping and, and the fire kind of dies down. And there's no longer a, a, an actual flame, but the logs are still hot. And so what do you do? You add some more stuff on there and then you, you fan it until that flame comes back. Until it resumes, until it is a, a roaring fire once again. That's what Paul is saying here to Timothy. Fan into flame the gift of God. Likely what's in mind here is the, the spiritual gifts that, that Timothy has been blessed with. Use those. Don't waste them. Keep preaching, keep evangelizing, keep discipling, keep loving. Timothy, fight to be faithful. Just read a, an article this week about a young Spurgeon, his, his first church that he had out in the country. It was just a little country church. And this young man, he was 18 at the time, he came in, he was on fire, he was excited, he was ready. He wanted to see souls saved and he poured himself into that ministry. 
They couldn't even afford to pay. He had, he had to drive. Uh, drive. Get there. <laughs> he had to stay in Cambridge and, and travel over there himself every weekend. But he faithfully did it. He faithfully preached. It took him over a hundred messages to see his first convert. And yet he was faithful. And yet he fanned into flame the gift of God that was given to him. He was faithful with what God had given him and where he had called him. Be faithful. Maybe you don't see fruit right away. Be faithful. We just talked several weeks ago in John 4. Maybe you're someone who plants. Maybe you're someone who reaps. Either way, be faithful. Do what God has called you to do. Regardless of the outcome, keep doing it. Paul here again reminds him that the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands. This isn't just something that I've seen, Timothy. Laying on of hands may have been something like an ordination where other men, other elders of the church, as we see in 1 Timothy 4, 14, who, who have recognized this in Timothy, lay their hands on him. And they say, we see this in Timothy. He is called to this ministry. It's not just me, Timothy, who has seen this. Others have seen this. Be faithful. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. Don't be intimidated. Don't be overrun by fear. Don't let people walk all over you. We know from 1 Timothy that that, that that was a struggle for Timothy. Timothy was very timid. He struggled to be bold. But that's not an excuse to not be bold. We've not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, of a sound mind. Timothy, be faithful. Preach boldly. Love passionately. And think soundly. Be faithful in the ministry to which God has called you. Picture Paul sitting there writing this. I can see the emotion as he's pouring into this, encouraging this young pastor who he loves so much and yet he knows is struggling. Be Come to the end of this passage. I think there's several points of application. And I think the first is this, that, that Timothy is who he is and he is where he is because of the solid foundation he had at home. So the first challenge this evening is this. Praise God for those who loved you enough to share the gospel with you and to disciple you. And if you are a parent or a grandparent, even if you're not a parent or a grandparent, and you know someone younger who you care about, pour into them. Love them. Disciple them. Be honest with them. 
Paul didn't have kids. But Paul pours into Timothy. Secondly, brothers and sisters, do not grow weary. Today was great. It was exciting to get together today. It was exciting to, to, to come to the Lord's table this morning. It was exciting to sing. It was exciting to be here. But what about six months from now when, when it's no longer so new? What about six months from now when we're back into a routine? Don't grow weary. Fan the flame. Serve where God has called you to serve. Use the gifts that God has given you to use for His glory. Brothers and sisters, we must fight to be faithful. Today, it's easy. Tomorrow, it's necessary. So let's do it. Let's choose today to do it. Keep that flame going. Finally, what Paul says to Timothy, do that. Stir up that gift. Be faithful. Because God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. And so be bold. Be bold. Just give us a spirit of power, and yet, of love. As 1 Corinthians 13 tells power without love is nothing. He's given us a spirit, not of fear, but of power, of love, of a sound mind. And so let's speak with boldness. Let's speak with love. Let's speak clearly. Let's be faithful to do what God has called us to do. And let's do it well. I think this is a great passage as, as, as we're transitioning back to meeting again. Because this is a great opportunity for us as a church to stop, to recalibrate, to look back on, on all those years and to see where, where maybe we went stale a little bit. Maybe we allowed that flame to die out. But starting today, going forward, we will fan that flame, keep it alive. Stir up the gift of God which is in you. That's your responsibility. That's each one of your responsibilities. Stir up the gift of God in you. Be faithful. We're going to close. I had us actually going to sing In Christ Alone. I'd like to sing with my soul fire.